Welcome to I Come As One, a podcast co-hosted by Black women on a mission to build community on the foundation of our culture and authenticity while holding ourselves and others accountable for championing our success and well-being. Thanks for tuning in to our empowering conversations about workplace trauma, career and business development, personal and professional growth, and so much more. Head on over to IComeAsOne.com for all of the links to watch episodes on YouTube, follow us on social media, and join our 10K community. Hope you enjoy this episode. Always with love, Fatima, Kristen, and Sean. On this episode of I Come As One, we're talking to early career professionals about how to make the transition from college to career. Career expert and founder and CEO of Young Black and Professional, Desiree Strickland, is giving us strategies for taking charge of our careers by reaching out, raising our voices, and positioning ourselves to do big things. Dr. Dez says, if you want something you've never had, then you have to do something you've never done. Get out of your comfort zone and make moves. Tune in now and head over to IComeAsOne.com for the complete episode guide. If you'd like to say hey or leave a comment, reach out at hello at IComeAsOne.com. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We have one of my good friends here, Dr. Des. Welcome, Desiree. Also, longtime friend dating back to college. Desiree and I had a rocky start. Um, I did not, not like that. Like <laughs> oh, like that was the beginning. We might as well like stop the intro and just go into that. I know, but I'm gonna build up to that, right? So yeah, she didn't like me. Um, but you know, here we are today. You know, <laughs> we've gotten here. We're good. So Dr. Des, she is a Florida native who's currently residing in Atlanta, Georgia. She's a public health professional on a senior level with expertise in chronic disease prevention, childhood obesity prevention, health policy and project management. She's also an adjunct professor who teaches courses in health disparities and minority health. And Dr. Des has served as a hiring manager in different areas of her field since 2018. She's also managed a multitude of interns and public health professionals, and she's always enjoyed managing and teaching interns and noticed the lack of professional development education students receive in their educational careers. So by developing Young Black and Professional, Desiree hopes to continue to serve young Black professionals by offering insight into the professional world and assistance with how to navigate that world while being a young Black college graduate. So, Desiree, (laughs) let's start at the top. Tell us about yourself and, you know, where you started on this professional journey to get (laughs) us here today. Yeah, so, you know, I started out, so I'm small town country girl Mm. from Madison, Florida. Like, I feel like nobody ever has heard of Madison, but yeah. We haven't, we haven't. How many stoplights, Desiree? Don't do me. (laughs) Oh, no. That's how everyone was saying to me. Yeah, oh, about two. I mean, it's about two, you know, two yeah. there. <laughs> you know, no paid Walmart. Yeah, okay. all paid roads, you know, no Walmart. We got a Win Dixie, you know, but that's about this it. Thing, I believe in a Win Dixie. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I started out, you know, going to school, a very small town, and I always like growing up, I wanted to be a doctor. That was my thing. I want to be a medical doctor, I want to be a pediatrician. Um, but you know, I felt like through a lot of different circumstances, my path kind of changed a little bit, but throughout high school, I was involved in different programs that actually poured into me. And I noticed that a lot of my peers didn't get the same opportunities with those programs, Mm -hmm. um, because it would be probably like four black people in the programs and then the rest of white people. Yeah. And I would, you know, notice that. And then, you know, just kind of from my early age, looking at even the educational system, like I know I had instances, I can remember um, one time where I was in like fourth grade and I had been in like gifted classes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was in a class, I finally had like a black teacher. So I was excited. (laughs) And my mama, she was just like, and I remember 
I would be helping her, like I would help her grade papers. Like I would just like things that a fourth grader should not be doing. And, and I would come home and my mom was like, Yeah, you were talking about you want some fake fingernails and you want this. So I came out to that school, she said, and I asked it, I had to see like what was going on and why they, you know, shifted you from this class to this class. And then, you know, she went out and talked the principal and it was like oh well um you know we just wanted to put her there because we thought the other students could learn from her um if we put yes. her in this class and I'm like, what the? mom was like no take her out right now put her back where she belongs <laughs> <laughs> but you know if I would have my mom there advocating for me mm-hmm. in, within the educational system then it would have kept happening because she said something like that also happened when I was in like first grade or something like that because she said all the students in the class couldn't read and I was like no one that could read and same thing when she came out to the school same exact excuse so but just to say like it was different challenges within the educational system especially being in a rural area and it it was it was racism there it wasn't blatant Mm -hmm. racism but it was there um it was subtle nuanced but it was there and you know I went to Florida State um, and I think going to Florida State, I got like a for real culture shock. Like I was used to being around white people, but not that many. <laughs> like, like the listen, PWI. listen, I did not know. Like I got in my class and I was like in the classroom, it was like 300 students and it was like five black students. And I'm just like looking around and then thinking about like the different educational education that my peers got versus me growing up in high school I was not ready for chemistry like you know I got I was in that class and I was just like what is this like and they talking mm-hmm. about they learned this in high school and I'm just like hmm? <laughs> uh, not Madison County High School we didn't, <laughs> didn't do that but um but so that was kind of like it was interesting kind of developing that path and then um i wanted like I said I was pre-med throughout the whole thing and graduated didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do wasn't sure I was going to go to med school or not so I switched to public health and I ended up going to FAMU for Mm -hmm. grad school for both my master's and my doctorate and honestly it was probably like one of the best decisions I ever made because I felt like it allowed me a space to speak up about racism to actually learn what racism was to actually learn what health disparities were mm-hmm. minority health and I didn't get that you know at Florida State and I didn't I never got that anywhere so it allowed me to look back on my life and be like oh snap like that was a little bit of discrimination that I faced like and I didn't know what it was or what to call it um but you know fast forward to now like um Kristen said when she introduced me I wanted to develop a, a program or organization that could really give back to young black professionals kind of growing up and not only the same way I did, but just kind of in similar situations or just growing up and not being able to get poured into like they should as far as professional development is concerned, because I, I interned a lot of students and it was just a lot. Every time I would see a minority student, and I would say 90% of them just were not like prepared. We're not taking advantage of the opportunities. Mm. Their resume was trash. And, you know, they just, they didn't know how to talk to people in meetings. Um, they didn't know how to network. And the, like, they weren't really even, I don't know, they would like be late to meetings or be late to coming into like their internship. And mm. this looked bad on them. And it made us look bad. You know, so starting the organization was kind of like a way for me to alleviate that problem that I seen. And then also, you know, working my way up to the senior level in my profession so I can actually, you know, have control in who's getting hired, have control in, you know, how we're going about training them and not discrediting people in the interview process um, just because, you know, they look a certain way, they sound a certain way, or they're not as prepared as such and such over here mm-hmm. um you know so things like that that was a lot but that's <laughs> my little bit of my journey um and everything mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah one thing I like about um your focus on uh secondary education 
you know, versus just post-secondary education is because we often don't talk about the differences until we get to that post-secondary level. And I, I find myself kind of in conflict sometimes when I see these super large donations going to like HBCUs or other post-secondary uh, institutions because there has to be something that happens before people can get there. So I think it leaves out a whole population of people and uh, with potential who might not actually get to the university level. So I appreciate that um, concentration at the, the youth and K-12 um, levels and meeting folks where they are. So can you talk more about what you do um, at that level? Yeah, so I actually, so with Young Black and Professional, it's about, re it's for, focused on recent college graduates. Now, okay. I do want to, and it's always been in my head, to like try to work with Young Black and Professional and do some type of program, um, some type of pipeline program for the youth coming from high school trying to go into college because honestly, that's really the only reason I was in college because I was in one of those pipeline programs um, and it was yeah. through Florida State. And that Florida State was literally the only college I applied to. And if I wouldn't have got in, then I probably would have went to the community college and then maybe transferred to Florida State. But at that time, like, you know, with the things that I was doing with um, the, the skill set that I had, I should have went straight to Florida State and I did. But if it wasn't for that program, I wouldn't have because I can remember the um, just the impact and the benefit it had over me, like the um, instructors for the program, they worked at Florida State, so they would come and um, after school and we would have like an after school type stuff we would get we would be in a little more advanced um anatomy like anatomy and physiology classes and stuff like that and then they would take us on college tours and I remember them actually helping me fill out my college application and then they actually took my college application physically and brought it up to Florida State with them and it was just like you know I think back to that and I'm like dang you know I wouldn't have, I literally would not have been at Florida State if it wasn't for them. So I haven't had that focus just yet, but it is definitely a focus um, that I want to have. Cause when I take like interns, they're usually like master's level interns. And then they, they don't, they just don't have that professional development, even at the master's level. So that's kind of what sparked it and what started it. I was just like, you know, I want to create an organization. Cause like, we're not taught in college how to write a resume. We're not taught like how to network our way into certain jobs. We're not taught how to get mentors. Like they're not teaching us all of these things. So that was the spark that really create that really led me to create the organization. Yeah, I like that. And to Fatima's point about talking about that K through 12 experience, it's insane how differently that can impact the rest of your life. And I don't think people understand that. Like I know for me, my story was, I came from Jamaica and in Jamaica, we start school earlier and they refused to let me go to the first grade because I was too young. So they made me repeat kindergarten and go through all this. And then I get to the third grade and they're like, well, you're just too smart to be like, you should have been a grade ahead. And they put me in gifted classes. And then they were like, well, do you want to skip fifth grade? And I was like, no, because at this point now I'm going to be, I'm already the youngest in my class. Now I'm going to be how many years younger in my class. And I got to high school and I remember one semester we moved to Augusta, Georgia and Augusta is small compared to South Florida. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget sitting in that guidance um, counselor's office. And this lady literally telling my mother that they don't know what they would do with me past 10th grade because I had already taken algebra one and two. I had already taken everything that their seniors had taken. So at this point, she's like, all we can offer you is Spanish and English classes and electives. We <laughs> literally do not have a situation for your daughter. Can you imagine like moving to another state, another county, and this is yeah. the way that you're being received? We had to move back to South Florida. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, imagine the opportunities that my parents gave up to make sure that I could get the education that I could have today because South Florida had more magnet programs. It was more you know, developed as far as educational mm -hmm. programs were. And we had a brace counselor and I'll never forget Miss Mamby because I would just offer to go to her office and help her out. And she told me about scholarships and she taught me how to apply for college. My parents didn't do that. We moved here when I was little. So it's a completely different experience. And they just kind of trusted me that I was going to 
figure it out because of my personality. But I think it's important to have somebody who can be that mentor and say, Kristen, these are deadlines. <laughs> these schools need these applications by this date. Here are scholarships. Here's how to write a letter. Like, you know, when you get down to that personal statement, I promise you that cancels out so many people automatically. And so going into this new space of going into college and you're no longer the brightest in your classroom either, right? This is like the top of the top at this point, especially at Florida State. I was like, wait, so I'm not the top 5% here? Okay, great. <laughs> like not letting, <laughs> not letting that imposter syndrome, all of that fall into place. And then that same experience happening again when you get into the workforce. I think for me, and maybe Desiree, you had a similar experience because in Tallahassee, you graduate and you go to the state, you work for the Department of Health, Department of Transportation, whatever. That's where you work. They're the biggest employer in the region. And usually at that point, you're the youngest person to come into that. And so I know for me, I experienced having to prove that I'm smart enough to do this job. I'm not your daughter. I'm not your granddaughter. Um, <laughs> you know, and navigating some of those situations. So I'm curious how you navigated coming into your first like career position as a young black woman in an environment, we worked in the same department back then, it was majority white, older women. And so, you know, they tended to treat you like I'm putting you under my wing. And like, what did that look like for you? So my first boss, when I got to the state department was actually a black woman. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It> was amazing. <laughs> so she was, when I tell you, she was great. Um, and she gave me like the real deal kind of spill on like things and then showed me kind of how I should conduct myself in meetings, how mm -hmm. I should start talking to everybody and build relationships and connections. So for, for that, for me, seeing her in these roles and then with her, she elevated fast, yeah. like throughout like the department. And I was just like watching her and I'm like, dang, like, so I need to go in these meetings. I need to be un unapologetically me. I need to say what's on my mind. I need to get these people together. And I'm just like, Lord, like, cause I see she did it and she just skyrocketed with her career. And so I was just like, man, like, okay, this is kind of the blueprint that, that I want to take. But then I also had you know, I had like, like you said, it was like a predominantly a lot of white women there. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of white women that I was working with. And I had a few in particular that would just be like, oh, you know, you're just like my daughter. And, you know, you're, and I was just like, I'm not, ma'am. Ma <laughs> like, <laughs> here we are at the same job. Like, <laughs> right. So I'm just like, you know, I'm like, granted, like, I thank you for being nice and taking an interest in me, but. I'm here to like grow professionally. And one, I'm not here to stay here for 50 years. Like, mm -hmm. and I think that was a lot of their trajectory in the state department. Like that had yeah. been a lot of it, especially in the past too. Like people get in the state government jobs and they're there forever because of the benefits, because of retirement, yeah. whatever. And that was not going to be my path. So, and I didn't want that to be my path. So in following who my boss was at the time and taking kind of taking her like looking at her and how she conducted herself I decided to like okay I need to kind of conduct myself like that I need to start talking to her more um and learning these things so through just kind of that through making sure that I was speaking up in meetings um and saying what was on my mind and really trying to get things done and taking on a lot of extra work extra assignments Mm -hmm. um, because I wanted to develop myself. I love the field I was in. I love public health and I enjoyed what I did. So through that, I became the youngest supervisor on my team mm -hmm. and are in my, in my bureau. I was the youngest supervisor in my bureau. And I was a little intimidated at first, definitely being the youngest supervisor. And then I think, was I the only black supervisor at the time? No, I think it was one other black supervisor at the time. Cause by the many. Yeah, by that time, my boss who I had, um, she had like went up to bureau chief and I think she was like division director at that time. Um, and so I think it was one other black person that was like supervisor on there. And so I was a little intimidated um, just kind of coming in and then, but then I got into those meetings and I'm like, y'all don't know that much. Like y'all are really <laughs> out here winging it. And 
I'm in meetings like and for me I can't control my face all the time so like (laughs) when you ask dumb questions I'm gonna look at you like did you even read like what like the notes I sent out before this meeting like did you like what are you what are you trying to do here like so (laughs) and I feel like you know with that like some people and I tried to like be nice about certain things to not rub people the wrong way and everything like that um but yeah it was just a lot (laughs) but um like go ahead I'm sorry no I I've, I've been thinking about this more and more like um almost paying homage to those women because I started my career very young and had that same experience with mothering, but that's sort of what they knew. Mm -hmm. And um, in a sense, it's almost like a badge of honor that they thought of us this way. Now, just a bit about my background. I'm from Washington, DC, super black upbringing, black teachers from day one, you know, Black communities. And um, we got into this a little bit with Brie, but Mm -hmm. that twice as good was always instilled in us. So when I did get to college, I felt even more prepared. And I think she was saying like, growing up in a white space helped her for uh, Florida State. But I felt the same was true too, growing up in a Black space and getting that true Black experience. Like, this is what it means to be Black. This is what you're going to face. I felt even more prepared for white spaces or older spaces and things like that. So um, we had, like we mentioned before, I had a ton of K-12 programs before they were calling it STEM. We had STEM. We had summer youth programs where as soon as you were 14 or so, you could sign mm-hmm. up for a job. So my very first job, I was teaching electrical engineering to fourth graders when I was in the eighth grade myself. And then I went on to government when I was 17. So you talk about young, I was, I was there from a baby. I, I like to say I've grown up in government and having those same experiences. Um, and, and it could be because full circle now, I'm, I am that mother that some young people meet when they come through my door. And it's like, um, I can see how it was coming from a place of love, how we could take bits and pieces of it, maybe not everything mm-hmm. of it. So just to just have a moment to think about it in a, in a little bit of a different way, but I certainly understand it for sure. Um, just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting old y'all, don't mind me. No. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, like for, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I just wanted to, um, and maybe uh, as a part of your comments, uh, you can add some thoughts about this, but what, and I know Fatima mentioned like paying homage, but, you know, just sort of being that, um, uh, paying it forward, right? Like I had this opportunity, someone looked out for me, gave me some guidance. um, And just what does that mean? I think culturally, where it's not just the simple, when I go to a space, I'm looking for another black person, mm-hmm. like hallelujah, if it's another black woman, right? But um, but can you speak a little bit about like the, what that sort of means culturally, what that might feel like for some individuals that you encounter that they can appreciate sort of that that connection like being guided and mentored by a black woman by by someone who has maybe not the same experiences as me mm-hmm. but shared similar experiences as me um and sort of what that that means culturally yeah so i mean for me that's big like it's it means a lot because i feel like when we get in these spaces especially the further up we go in our careers it's not a lot of people that look like us. It's, and then sometimes you have people that don't look like you that are genuinely there to help you. And I feel like that's always mm-hmm. great too. Um, but it's just, I feel like sometimes it's a struggle to actually find those people and really get to them sometimes. But when you find one, 
it's just like for me I feel like it's a breath of fresh air it's just like okay they're gonna give me like the real deal like this is what's going on here in this area this is how I need to navigate how I need to do this but and I think a lot of people if they don't talk to people open their mouths they don't find those people um and I see that a lot with like a lot of the um the students that I talk with a lot of the the um, clients that I have through Young Black and Professional, they're not talking to people. Um, you know, they get in these spaces, whether it be for an internship or for their first job, and they're just not talking. Like they're they're probably intimidated, probably. And you know, if they're under me, if they're my on my team, and I hire them as an intern, like I have, like I treat them just like I treat my employees. So I have one on one sessions with them every week um, to see what they're doing, what they're up to. Um, and then also like within my one-on-one sessions, I'm also talking about their individual development. So I'm like, what do you want to do with your life? And then a lot of them are just like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> well, you know, let's explore that, you know? So I want to set you up with this person, this person, and this person. So you can get an idea of what they do um, in the department. Because I think that a lot of times when you talk to people, especially you get a good person that's willing to actually pour into you, they're going to know other people who will actually pour into you too. So that's why, like, if I get someone, I'll refer them to, like, some of my colleagues who I'm pretty close with, and I'm just like, I know they're going to give them the real deal. They're going to actually tell them stuff and talk with them, Um, especially, like, you know, when they, like, even if they don't look like me, you know, I, like, if they're my intern, they're my intern, I'm trying to make sure that you're going to be great, and I ask them about their resumes, like, that's kind of how I got the idea to even start Young Black and Professional because I was asking them, well, how does your resume look? Because we may have a position that's going to come open and then they'll send me their resume and I'm like, this ain't even get through our system. Like, <laughs> like, so, you know, I work with them um, and I'm just like, okay, let me work with you. Let me like help you um, to do this. And because working at for a state government and then just government in general, I've seen so many people just slid into positions um and and, like I know I can remember distinctly it was one position that was open it wasn't on my team directly but it was a team that worked with my team and so I think I was on the hiring committee for it but then it was an OPS position so technically they didn't really have to do a lot like as far as the interview wise and stuff like that and they had this one girl who was an intern now she had just got her bachelor's degree um, in like, I think it was family and child science or something like that. And she was interested in public health. Her mom worked in the department and that's kind of how she got, even got an internship there because most of our interns are usually master's students. And so her mom worked there. I worked with her and I was like, yeah, she, I mean, she's okay, but she's very young. And, you know, we have a lot of great master's level candidates their master's degree who want to break into this field mm-hmm. um and they end up just hiring her they end up hiring the girl and it was just like I was like <laughs> yeah I, I don't even think she stayed there long at all either like she maybe was there because I think she wanted to go get her master's or go like off to school or something like that and I'm just like that was a whole waste of waste of time and then at the end of the day like you have all of these students who went to go get their like not discrediting a bachelor's degree but you have all these students who went to go get their master's and mm-hmm. you just slid this one person in there without even an interview like it's not fair so I think that when I had like my boss she would be she would start sliding people in there but the difference with her she slid qualified people <laughs> <laughs> they had those credentials and yeah they, I was they gonna say really don't don't knock the slide don't knock the slide Listen, the, slide, the slide can be beneficial <laughs> the Listen. slide is helpful okay I don't got right. the job off the slide thank mm-hmm. you <laughs> yes but going back so so what you said earlier is with giving closed mouths don't get fed mm-hmm. this power of the ass so can you go more into how can we open our mouths what does that look like to ask for that mentorship that sponsorship and support I think it involves like you going around and actually talking to people because I think that even and I feel like now since a lot of things are still like virtual and a lot of people have the work from home set and it makes it a little more difficult But, you know, setting up one-on-one Zoom calls with people in the department just to introduce yourself and get to know them. Like if you see them in a meeting, shoot them a little email or IM and say, hey, 
I'm new here. I just want to see if I can get 30 minutes to talk with you about, you know, what I do. And then I think people really need to feel those people out to see like, you know, what they're giving off before they just kind of like ask them to be their mentor or anything like that, because you want to see what their work product is like. You want to see how they conduct themselves in meetings. You know, you want to see, are they on an upward trajectory in the company or are they kind of, you know, going places and how, how do you think they can help you? Because I think a lot of people, they may think like, okay, if I'm just getting an organization, I just need anybody in the organization to mentor me and guide me. And that's not, that's not a good idea because you got a lot of people that work in certain spaces that don't even want to work there, you know? So, and they don't plan on being there that long, or they don't plan on even being in this career field that long. Um, but I think that just kind of getting to know everybody, I feel like is a really good move. Like no matter what color they are, no matter what type of positions that they're in. Cause you know, for me, I'm like in more of a programmatic type position, but my mentor, she was in more epidemiology type position. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like a very big difference in what we did, but she was able to help me navigate like the, just the professional space in general and the public health space in general. Um, and was able to give me a lot more wisdom and guidance. So I think that number one is just literally going around to people's offices that, that maybe just knocking on their door saying, hey, introduce yourself and like, you know, build, start building the relationships with people who you don't normally talk to. Um, and then also, you know, I just feel like um, when you're in meetings, one of the things that um, someone told me, and I forget who told me this, but it's a piece of advice that like, I took and I just kind of like take it and I ran with it. It was like, Desiree, whenever you're in a meeting, always have something to say. Mm -hmm. And I, they were like, I don't care if like you are, it's like your first two, three weeks, like always have something to say, whether you're asking a question, like, you know, do some prep work beforehand before the meeting to understand what it's going to be about, you know, always have something to say because that's how you'll get remembered. Um, you know, if you ask questions, you speak up, you give your ideas, don't be shy or timid about giving them. And then, you know, especially if you're like an intern on a lower level, like, you know, that's a learning opportunity. Yep. And that's an opportunity for growth for other people to see you and not just see you as, oh, that's that new person, like the young, that's the new person, they don't know much. Um, and just kind of, you know, always try to have a voice. Um, and then always think about, um, your next move, what's your next move is going to be and how you can build yourself and your career and different things to get there. Because I think that a lot of times like we get in a job sometimes and some people get content and they're not thinking about, okay, how can I use this job as a stepping stone to get to that next level, whether that next level is being promoted within the company or that next level is going to another company. So, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. And I will say that now that I'm at a startup, I've noticed that they encourage that networking and learning about your coworkers a lot more than in other organizations. So they have something called Coffee Buddies and it's like a bot that will introduce you once every three weeks to a, somebody else in the company in a different department. And it does like a virtual coffee with somebody for 20 minutes where you get to meet other people and being that we're all remote at this point, it's like the best way to get to meet people. Mm -hmm. And you just get to have regular conversation, learn about what they do, where they work. And I've done that before COVID reached out to somebody like, Hey, I, you know, saw that you guys were at so-and-so department. I'm in another department. I want to learn more about you. And she's like, can you have coffee with me? <laughs> and then she, I went to coffee and she's like, well, we're about to post a job. And I want to know more about you. And so for me, I think it was a little nerve wracking. You know, it's like a cold call, right? You don't know how it's going to be perceived or received. But at the same time, I would even say for like introverted people, it's important to get a little bit outside of your comfort zone to go back to what I think is going to be the title, closed mouths don't get fed. <laughs> I think kind of sums this whole thing up. Or right? don't, don't knock the slide somewhere in there it's gonna be in there somewhere I'm pretty sure and so it's like yes you're introverted and this is something I've said to even like my sister before and my brother-in-law they're more introverted people and they're like Chris you're so friendly I'm like it's not about being friendly it's about making sure that you're meeting the right people that they're remembering who you are you don't want to be closed off from a network of somebody who can say well I don't have the bandwidth for that but I know Kristen and she can help you out 
with this position. That's all it really takes today to get that next step. And I remember meeting some of my um, white coworkers when I started in the state and they were like, how did you get that job? Who did you know? Mm-hmm. And how did you get that promotion? Who did you know? And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't know nobody in that building, in that department. And they were like, no, but like, you know, someone, right? <laughs> because right. the culture in the state was you knew somebody and that's how you got that job. It's so hard to get in just like other like big four companies. It's well known. If you don't have a referral from somebody in that company, you're just not getting in. Mm-hmm. So you have to network if that's your goal. And that's how I got into the State Department, too. I knew (laughs) because I did my internship like so with FAMU for the master's program. Yeah, they make you do like a rotation through the Department of Health through the different areas. And it's only like three, four weeks that you're in a certain area. Um, But those three, four weeks, that's when you need to be talking, networking. And I seen her and I really like resonated and clicked with her. And so I was just like okay I like her I'm gonna keep her I'm gonna follow up with her so I was literally and you know I wasn't trying to pester her (laughs) so like every (laughs) like every couple months like I would reach out and um I would just say hey how you doing I just wanted to you know check in because I remember you mentioning you all may have some job opportunities coming in at some point um and she sent me a job opportunity I think after probably after the second time I messaged her like the first time was just kind of thanking her for that for you know being my mentor and guiding me through that Mm -hmm. and then the second time was like three months later me following up because I think that was around the time she said the jobs would probably be posted and literally she didn't even respond like she didn't like send a formal message she just sent the link to the job and I was just like okay so I guess I'm gonna apply so (laughs) I applied got a call and I got the job And, you know, she was the hire manager. She was the lead person. And I wouldn't have known that if I wouldn't have spoke up through my internship and actually talked with her and then kept in touch with her because she wasn't just going to send me that job, like, you know, randomly. So me following up with her around that time was like perfect. So, yeah. I think um, introverts sometimes get a bad rap or maybe we're misunderstood. (laughs) misunderstood for sure because um it just it's about where you get your energy from so I'm an mm-hmm. off the charts introvert but I introvert but I can network I can work a room and I think it sometimes works to my advantage because I'm more deliberate and calculating where some extroverts I know they just they just talk it's you know? too much <laughs> it's too much I, I will agree with that yeah they're just talking but it's not resonating it's not a crafted message and it yeah. might not Uh, get the results that they want so it's something to be said about um, being an introvert and doing it well there's a a book you know I'm I'm all about my recommendations it's called the introvert's guide to networking I didn't finish that one um, but it's it's new and um, I'll put it in the show notes but I also wanted to um, give a a strategy by for using LinkedIn as well you have access to the world on LinkedIn. So for example, if you are an intern, you should be uh, friends with the CEO on at least on LinkedIn. Hey, I work in your company. I'm new to your company. Just wanted to know, let you know that I'm here. This is what I'm studying. This is what I'm interested in. And you would be surprised at how many people will take time for the, the coffee chat or to, even if it's written, just to email you back saying, I don't have time, but maybe someone else does. So use LinkedIn to your advantage. The day you turn 18, get the profile. You should have one while you're in college. You should have one um, and and change it frequently as you're going through these different stages Mm -hmm. so that you can attract that type of, those types of opportunities that you're seeking and get endorsements. Have your supervisors write recommendations on LinkedIn write recommendations for your peers and, and uh, well, most of them are not supervisors. I was going to say peers and employees (laughs) on there too, but that is such a powerful tool that people are somewhere on the, the, or either the high end of LinkedIn or the low end. They don't use it at all, but I'm an advocate for it. Um, So I don't know, Dr. Dez, do you have any more secrets to LinkedIn? (laughs) Do you use it? Yes. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) 
Well, you can attest to it. Dr. Yes. Dez is on it now. <laughs> Listen, LinkedIn works. Like it, it works. And it's a lot of jobs that are posted on LinkedIn and aren't posted anywhere else too. So, you know, just like if anybody's looking for a job, like they post so many there now, like that is such a great platform for finding jobs. And then even you can connect with the recruiter straight through LinkedIn, like and message them and talk with them. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I like to tell people to do when they're, um, you know, if they're new to using LinkedIn and they're trying to kind of network and build up, you know, whoever, what it is, like I tell people to figure out what companies that they're interested in, follow mm-hmm. those companies on LinkedIn, look at like what they're posting. Cause a lot of them post stuff, they post videos. And a lot of times their videos are not getting a lot of play. So if you know, like, and you're, you're able to relate to their content and you're able to follow their content and then you get an interview with them and you mention their content on there, that's like a leg up for you. But then also like one way to really, you know, if you're thinking about networking and having like coffee chats with people, Sometimes, you know, you message people, they won't respond and that's Mm -hmm. just whatever, but you know, you get a higher response rate. So if you try to message alumni from your university, um, so like, you know, and then with different companies, if you look at a different company, it'll tell you what alumni from your university work there. So you can go on there and just reach out and connect with them, message them. And you'd be surprised at how many people actually hit you back and want to pour into you, especially like, you know, I'm plugging like my HBCU, like especially like (laughs) HBCUs and the graduates from there, like they really reach, like want to reach back out and want to help, um, you know, this younger generation come up um, and build those professional skills. Because I know one of the things that I do if I'm like interviewing for a job, um, I'm going to find somebody that works at that particular company and I'm going to reach out to them. They may not be the CEO, they may not be the VP, but they're going to be somebody that works there on a um, a similar level that what I'm trying to get into and I'm going to ask them if I can have 15 minutes at a time to talk with them about the job because I have an interview or I have you know this coming up and yeah. hope you know they give me the real deal about it like I remember one job I um I did that like I messaged um this young lady and she came up like I followed the, the organization online and I seen that she was um an alumni of FAMU and she went through like the same programs I did, but she was like a VP in the company. I messaged her and um, she was like, here's my personal number, call me. And I was like, okay. So I was like, hey girl. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't say that of course, but you know, you know, you gotta keep it professional cause it is a professional um, networking site. So you wanna, even if like, you know, you resonate with this person, you feel the energy, the vibes, you wanna come on and be like, hey, what's up? Don't do it. <laughs> like, you know, keep it, keep it strictly professional and, you know, let them kind of lead the vibes of the conversation yeah. Yeah. so you can see. And if I could add too, just don't lead with what you want, mm-hmm. you know, say, say what you have to offer first, talk about what you bring to the table, what you're interested in, and then ask and not just expect people to pour into you mm-hmm. and, and have transactional relationship it has to be a bit of that transformational relationship taking place and the way to do that is to share more about yourself and your goals I love that you mentioned the jobs and access to the recruiters and with those job postings you can also see everybody that is associated with the company so if you are going to be a marketing intern you can see every person with a marketing or communications title and connect with them too. So you have just unprecedented, unparalleled access to everyone <laughs> across the world on LinkedIn. And um, it's, it's social media, but you're right. It's not Facebook. It's, it's yeah. not even <laughs> Twitter or those sorts of things. So you have to be strategic about it, but it can be so powerful. Oh yeah. And yeah. do not, and I always tell people, do not like slide in somebody's LinkedIn messages asking for a job. Like, cause one, they don't know you <laughs> and, and no. I get those, I get those messages all the time where people are literally, they'll message me and they'll say, Hey, um, you know, I just graduated. I'm looking for a job, um, in, at, with your company. Can you, um, pass along my information? No, like, I don't know. <laughs> you don't even know your work quality. Like, and, I don't, right. I vouch for you. Like, you're not going to make my name look bad. And they're like, Oh, that's that person. Desiree recommended like no no it's not no like, it's you not. know 
we are like people, we are people and we have feelings and, you know, <laughs> you should get to know these people. And like you said, um, you know, ask them about themselves. Like ask if you have 15, if they have that 15 minutes, do not spend that 15 minutes talking about you and what you want. Like you do not do that. You talk, you let them lead the conversation and you ask them questions about what they do, how they got to where they are. Um, you know, and then if they have any tips or advice for someone who would want to kind of follow their same trajectory, you know, what should they be doing? And then you can keep up that relationship. I think a lot of times people find it really hard to keep up networking relationships. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I found was pretty helpful, like if I'm meeting with someone and I'm talking with them, I'm getting to know exactly what they do. Um, one of the things that I will do is, you know, I kind of uh, keep like a little like maybe not like a spreadsheet, but like a little somewhere in my journal or somewhere I'll write their names down. Mm -hmm. And then I'll write down like two to three things that they said that stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. And then um, if I come across like a journal article or, you know, something that would be of interest to them, I'll just shoot it over to them and say, hey, I thought about you um, when I, you know, read this and I just wanted to share it with you. Um, you know, just kind of something like that, just to keep the conversation going, to keep your name kind of in their mind. Mm -hmm. And then you'd be surprised at how many times like, that has led to people getting jobs and getting like, you know, when they have a job opening, they're like, oh, I think I know somebody. And then they yep. kind of swing it your way. So that's the slide again. You know? <laughs> Just, and it's the art of the follow-up too. People are busy. So if you meet someone at a conference or you take time to meet with them on LinkedIn and they say, email me, you have to go back and email them. You have to do that work to be at the top of their minds because they're not thinking about you. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's your responsibility to stay top of mind and follow up. And you know, uh, you might, who knows, you might catch them at that moment when they need you. So that is great too. You, you work with recent college grads. So it's graduation season. What's your message to the class of 2022? <laughs> <laughs> Class of 2022, listen, y'all should already be looking for these jobs. <laughs> but if you have not been, you know, it's so many jobs and positions and things out there. I think that one piece of advice is to just, I, I get a lot of people who I talk with and they're very like nervous and got a little anxiety about, you know, certain jobs and going into certain opportunities. But I always tell them your first job is not going to be your last job. Like, so if a job meets like a lot of the things to get you in the door, to get your foot in the door, um, you know, then take it. Like if it's going to help mm. elevate you in any way, it's going to give you some trainings. It's going to give you whatever. The salary may not be what you want it to be <laughs> right now, but that's why I always encourage people to look ahead. Like, are you going to be there in two years? Like, do you, after two years of getting, is that two years enough time for you to get the trainings you need, for you to get the relationships that you need, for you to, you know, get what you need out of this organization, out of this company, and then move on? And a lot of times for a lot of people, yes, the answer is yes. Two years is enough time for them to get that information. And then if they don't see any growth potential um, within their position after they've kind of mastered everything and they've kind of, you know, gained a lot and they put a lot into it and they have a lot to show for it because I I don't like when I get a resume and they literally don't can't speak to any of the things that they've done at their job and I'm just like what am I supposed to do with this resume you know and you know so we we talk through it and everything like that we find something to do with it <laughs> but um at the end of the day it's like you know you want to make sure that you are growing within the position or the company that you're in and sometimes you do grow out of it and that's okay so like have a timeline some type of a timeline for yourself but don't pressure yourself into like having to have a six-figure job once you graduate with your bachelor's mm -hmm. degree like I mean some professions yes you probably will have but most of them but yeah most of them all of them <laughs> It's not going to be six coming in 30 to 50, depending on if you like, you know, if you're in public health <laughs> and social work and education, like you have to do the research on what that looks like. What is the median in, in your area? Yeah. And well. like, yeah. And like Kristen just said, know what the salary, like the salary basis are like, know kind of what the comps are for those type of jobs that you're applying to. And also don't apply to every job you see, like that's that's something that I hear from everybody they'll apply to like 
50 jobs a day and I'm like and so people are calling them back and they don't even know what they're calling them back for and I'm just like what are you even applying for like what is your plan your goal here what are you trying to accomplish out of this and a lot of times they're just like well I just want a job but I'm like yeah okay you just want a job but your that one resume that you got is not speaking to all these 50 jobs you just applied <laughs> so that's why you're not getting any call back any callbacks from that so we need to be strategic about how we word your resume, how we emphasize some of the things. And we may be emphasizing some of the courses that you took in the coursework. Um, and it may be, you know, for a particular area um, within whether it's public health or just kind of whatever, um, you know, area that is in. But you want to be strategic about those type of positions that you apply to. So it can, you know, be that stepping stone to get you to that next thing that you're trying to get to. Right. two small questions one I'm so sorry about my voice uh, but number one is do you have any sort of strategies for individuals who are going maybe into grad school about how to sort of navigate um, mentoring um, in, in an academic setting and um, I don't want to be the wet blanket but I also want to you know, do you give advice or what strategies you might offer for individuals who have sought out mentoring um, or guidance and someone gave them the stiff arm? <laughs> you know, they were like, I'm not your mentor. I work here like you work here. <laughs> Figure it out. You know, like, you know, as Kristen has said before, and, and it's not necessarily even based on race, right? But, you know, Kristen has been known to say, all skin folk ain't kin folk. This is it. <laughs> so, so that's two questions. One, any guidance for academic settings um, in terms of mentoring and really sort of navigating those relationships. And then the second is, what advice do you give if somebody gets to stiff arm um, when they're trying to seek out mentoring and guidance? Mm. So for the first question, um, with grad school, I think that, you know, you have a lot of people, they go into grad school, they may either, they do want to either practice in the field, or they may want to stick to academia. Um, but just kind of like thinking about, okay, which one they're interested in, like, you can have multiple mentors, like you do not have to confine yourself to having one mentor. Definitely having multiple mentors is a great thing. Um, and then also like, so I would start with like the professors because a lot of times your professors are plugged in. Like they know people who know people who know people yeah. and they're doing like research. They're doing projects. They're getting contracts from, like I had one professor, she's getting contracts from CDC. She's getting contracts from, you know, the state department. So she knows all of these people that are there. Mm -hmm. So they can really kind of put you on and, you know, help you out with that. But a lot of times you have to, open up your mouth, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. You got to say you're interested. <laughs> you got to say you're interested in this. And, you know, you have to be to their office hours, talk with them, really try to learn from them. Because I think that majority of the time, like, I feel like 90% of the time, your professors are going to want to help you. Like, you may get a few professors who may be like, I'm just here to teach and go home. Like, I ain't trying to <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but that's anywhere and everywhere. But then I think majority of the time, a lot of them, they want to help you succeed and they want to help you do well. So if you identify those areas, like especially in grad school, grad school is a time for you to try to figure out and identify those areas that you are interested in and that you may want to pursue a career in. So like I always tell people to like, I feel like a lot of people, they feel like they got to have it together after grad school. They should know exactly what they want to do, where they want to go, you know, all this stuff. But that's not reality, you know, like in reality, you know, you you get in a position at the grad school and it may not be exactly what you want, but it may end up being exactly what you want. You know, you may be like, oh, I never thought about, you know, being a project manager, but I really enjoy it. Or, you know, I never thought about being in this area, but I really enjoy it and I want to further myself in this area. Or you may start working with other people who are in these different areas and then you may be more interested in one something that they're doing something that one of your team members is doing and you know you may figure out that okay that's my next step so I think like starting with your professors is a great thing and then also while you're in grad school like internships and 
are so important. Like they are going to be so important. And I think a lot of times, you know, a lot of people may not have the capacity to do like, you know, internships because they're so busy, but they can just go out and talk to these people. Like if you see an organization that you're interested in, like we just talked about LinkedIn, like yeah. that's, yeah. A, that's a big tool, you know? And just like, you know, if you have time, um, if it's like a community center or a community organization or something um, that has like this open door policy where you can just kind of walk in, go walk in, check it out, talk to somebody, ask questions, um, you know, cause you never know what may come of it. So I think like, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta use your resources because you have resources there, but I noticed not a lot of people use them like professors, not a lot of people tap into their professors enough. Um, and I see that a lot, but you know, it gets, it's a lot more intimate when you start going up in educational level, but oh, yeah. it's still like, you know, bachelors, like you probably never may never go to your professor office hours. I talk to them outside of class, uh, masters, you might, um, you may have those moments where you go because the classes are a lot smaller, um, but then you still have some people who just don't and don't want to resonate with their professors and talk with them and get information from them. And then you got those few like me who's just sitting there and talk with them like, and, and you know, like I still have one professor who like I'm from my master's program and my, so I did my master's and my PhD there. So she was my professor for my master's and my PhD and I text her like often. Like I text her and told her I was pregnant. She was like, I'm going to be a grandmother. You build those relationships and those connections. And I know that she has a lot of connections still like in Florida. So if I ever was interested in doing a lot of things, like she wants to help me get published and all this stuff. And I'm just like, it's too much. Like I can't. Not now. <laughs> but, you know, having that. And your second question about like getting rejected, um, it happens, <laughs> like it, it happens to a lot of people. And, you know, one knowing you're not alone and getting rejected because it happens to everybody. And just like, you know, if you message certain people on LinkedIn, some of them will not reply to you. They'll leave you on read because, you know, <laughs> and, and granted, like those are the people who you do not want as a mentor. Like yeah, that, that should be, yeah, that should be that sign that you do not want them as a mentor because they gonna, you know, they gonna steer you in the wrong direction and they're not going to be able to offer you any valuable information. So you want those people who want to be mentors to you because they're actually going to be the ones who actually are there to help you and guide you. Um, because those other people, if they telling, you no, they stiff arming you, they, they, they're not for you. <laughs> and it's like it's like they, dating. Absolutely. It's okay, boo. <laughs> not for you. Not no, for I, you. I knew you you're trying to wrap up, but we have not heard the story about why y'all didn't like each other. So is that part two? <laughs> is that today or is that part two? <laughs> Yes. You want to enlighten the people? You the one who didn't like me, so I think you should tell the story. I know what I did, but I think you should tell the story. So Kristen was the culprit. So okay, just a little context. Once it's published, we have no control over no, where this information goes. No, because we said this on her podcast too, so it's already out in the atmosphere. Okay. Okay. I don't even remember the real details, but we're sorority sisters. And it was just like, when we met, she was like, why is she like talking about what we forgot? What was it? What? I don't even remember exactly what. Yeah. It's been over 10 years. I just remember you had the worst attitude. You were so mean, <laughs> so rude. So no, rude. Kristen. Listen, she just took it that way because I was calling her on her not being prepared. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. So, we know how Christian is about an agenda, honey. I am. I'm like, what? this is not according to my schedule. And I was looking at my calendar and I was like, this is not on my list here. What's going on, Desiree? Listen. And she just gave me attitude like, I don't know. Cut <laughs> <laughs> a sister some slack. I was Ooh. already sleep deprived. And, you know, because I'm in college, biochem, party, like, I'll take all these stressful classes. And then she want to jump on me about some random stuff I forgot. Oh, no. no you man. forgot. Oh. <laughs> so, 
I, for, for a whole for a while I just had like even after like I I crossed and pledged and everything like I just she rubbed me the wrong way and I just, <laughs> <laughs> it was like real petty like that's the, the the funniest part about it is like it's so minute that today we're like I don't really remember exactly what <laughs> it was just so Kristen, was supposed to be done <laughs> well, next time you start a job and someone throws shade yeah, a full circle. Like I did this to Daz. <laughs> this is karma. I did this to Daz. <laughs> I know it came back and got me. I already know. <laughs> but now we're good. Like we go on vacations. Like I'm coming to the baby shower. Yeah. Like we're a whole mess. Together. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I feel like, you know, you have those relationships with people, but I, I feel like it's so good, though, because I feel like, you know, we've got to see each other evolve so much just over the course of since undergrad. It's yeah. been crazy and amazing to just see the evolvement. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what we about sisterhood and community. Ooh, and yes. I love that it came full circle and you can support each other in your growth and development and just things you feel super passionate about. So I'm blessed to have been a part of a flourishing friendship. <laughs> it just didn't end on rocks. <laughs> no, it's a good friendship. And I mean, I the could even Phoenix. say young bad professional when I was ready and I was like, okay, I'm graduating. I'm ready to go for the job that I need. I was like, Desiree, my resume is crap. Like I've just been mm. adding things on there from like, I've never changed the format in eight years. I was like, this is a mess. And I own it. And she looked at it. And she was like, Kristen, this is really bad. And she sent me a template and the recruiters was coming, baby. They were coming, coming, coming. And that's how I got my job. A recruiter reached out to me on LinkedIn with a resume that Desiree revamped for me. So that's why I speak so highly about it. It's not just because she's my friend or my sorority sisters, because I've actually seen her work and then I've seen you know what that's done for me professionally mm -hmm. as well and it was great you know what I'm saying she knows how to be professional outside of a friendship and so <laughs> y'all you what? need to get with her so we need Desiree to plug the podcast the email IG whatever you yes. want the people to know how can they say. get in touch with you <laughs> what's the first step for young black professionals what does that look like yeah, so I mean, check out the website. So it's www.youngblackandprofessional.com. Um, I like to periodically, I'll do like free trainings. I have free resources that are on there. I have the podcast. So the podcast is usually like, um, I'm in season two of the podcast now. And I have like a lot of guests from various careers. So if you ladies want to jump on <laughs> and, you know, just really talking about like your career trajectory, how you got to where you are um, and just advice that you have for young professionals. So I, that podcast and within that podcast too, I may do like solo episodes and I'll give out actual like different tips. So like five strategies for your LinkedIn or like, Interviews. you know, different stuff like that. Yeah. So like, um, you know, so the podcast, um, I used to do YouTube videos, but it was too much trying to look nice every day. Like, <laughs> we, we know the struggle. We know I the struggle. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I got to get my light in. I got to make sure like hair. I have my, my hair, my makeup is done. Like I'm not looking homeless. And <laughs> <laughs> so the YouTube videos are still there. They're there, but um, <laughs> the podcast is taking that place. Um, but I also have um, online courses. So they're just self-paced online courses. So one is called Recent Grad Bootcamp. Um, that's probably the most popular one. And basically, if you just graduated with bachelor's or master's, um, this course pretty much walks you through everything you need to be doing. So it starts with mindset and shifting your mindset and then goes into resume, cover letter, interviewing techniques, um, just kind of networking techniques. So your LinkedIn and all of that all kind of rolled up into mm -hmm. one course. And all my courses are pretty low priced. So that one's $57 and you got access yep. to it forever. Um, and then I have an interview prep one-on-one -on -one course. So like if you got a quick interview coming up, you don't have time to schedule a mock interview with me. 
then you know you take that course and basically it's me walking you through everything you need to do to get prepared for your interview um, and how to answer certain questions and then another one focused on getting into grad school because I started having a lot of people ask me like to review their personal statements for them or you know how do I even write the personal statement or you know what should I be looking for in a graduate school program so I just decided to you know I'm gonna just put all this in a course (laughs) like so (laughs) I just put it all into a course it's called getting into grad school and it's there on the website and then in addition to that I have like a lot of the one-on-one sessions that I do which I'm actually soon going to be transitioning out of doing one-on-one um, sessions so I'm gonna make that transition soon um, because it's just like it's a lot sometimes (laughs) you keep Um, saying the same thing over and over I'm sure yeah and so I'm just like you know I have it in like this course like if you take this course course. (laughs) literally everything we talk about is there but I understand a lot of people like that one-on-one interaction and I enjoy talking to all the clients that I talk to usually when I'm on the call with a client we end up going over the time because we just talk (laughs) like about Mm. like the next sounds familiar very familiar I mean you know definitely check out a lot of the free resources and you know you can always like I do free um 20 minute consultations so if they're not sure about like a service or if they have a specific question um and you know just book a 20 minutes a free 20 minute session and we can talk through it but yeah all right well thank you Desiree Dr. Des for coming on yes Dr. Des gotta go ahead and put that respect on there mama to be yes mama to be congratulations (laughs) and we want to welcome you to the 10k community and we look forward to welcoming you back one day and maybe with a plus one little bundle for us to say Uh, (laughs) I'm just super excited guys all right thanks (laughs) Thanks for listening. Visit icomeasone.com for complete episode details and don't forget to like and share.